Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And speaking of embracing life, everyone loves getting lost in a great book, especially one that both informs you and captivates you with a tale that is so riveting, it's guaranteed to keep you eagerly turning pages well into the night. Our guest today, James Boswick, has written just such a book. James is best known as one of the most respected medical malpractice and personal injury lawyers in the nation, but somehow he's found the time to produce a debut novel that will not only give you an insider's look into the life of a lawyer, but also a tale filled with intrigue, romance, and one man's heroic fight for justice. The book is called Acts of Omission, and James joins us today to share all about it. So welcome, James. Hi, Mary Eileen. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, I have to begin. Uh, I had a little time to gush with you before we went on air, but oh my gosh, I have a huge congratulations, or there are a huge congratulations in store for coming out with this gem. It, it, it kept me on the edge of my seat, and there's all these surprises and twists and turns, but it also gives the reader a real insider's view into the legal profession, and that was a surprise to me, a lot of it. Uh, I know you've gotten a lot of praise from the general public, but also from your fellow lawyers, so you have to be excited about all of this. Oh, I certainly am, because that, that was one of my basic goals in writing it. I, I, want on, I wanted not only to, to, to write something that was fun and interesting and uh, as a novel should be, but also I wanted to write something that was really authentic, something that uh, talked about the legal process in a way that was interesting, but still taught people about what we do, and uh, and not in criminal law, but in civil law, you know, where so much of the trial work actually takes place. Uh, I wanted people to understand yeah, that. that is a point you brought out, I'm sorry, in the book, too, that, you know, there's a lot of uh, books out there about criminal law, but this was a whole new vantage point for me, and I'm sure the other readers, but... I do want to start out by you giving us an overview of the story so our our listeners will know a little bit more about what we're talking about. Well, it's 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 essentially based on a case I tried back in the 80s. Um of course it's a highly fictionalized version of what happened, but but I used as the skeleton the bones of my story uh a trial I had when I was a young lawyer and didn't know any better, and I got immersed in this this little family and uh, and this devastated uh, young man. He was had a he was a quadriplegic, means he was paralyzed from the neck down, and and I I wanted to help them and I wanted to help the family, and uh, but unfortunately it was it was medical malpractice that had gotten him in that situation, but. Unfortunately, what I was offered was a case against a lawyer who had managed to mess up the medical malpractice case. And unfortunately, uh, the lawyer was probably the most famous lawyer in the country at the time. Uh, Very loved local San Francisco uh, icon. And uh, so everybody told me I shouldn't sue him and 
uh, but I wanted to do uh, something for this family. I wanted to seek justice for them. So that's that's the underlying story, and that's the basis of the whole sort of a David and Goliath kind of thing. Well, and I don't want to give too much away, but David does pretty well. <laughs> but David has his challenges. Oh, my gosh. There are some real twists and surprises in this story. Uh, and some of that may be the fictional aspect of it, but, boy, what a wonderful story to start out with and drawn from your own profession. That's got to be gratifying to be able to write about something so important to you personally. It was. It was. Because uh, I was... I wasn't the writer before I took on this project, uh, you know, broke briefs as a lawyer. But uh, And, of course, you have to tell a story for the judge or the judge isn't going to be interested. But I wasn't really a fiction writer. And uh, But what I, 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 I wanted to do was tell a story about civil law, and I, and I wanted to make it something that was really authentic. Uh, so often in when you watch movies and when you see stuff on TV and when you read books about the law, I like legal thrillers, so I read them. When you do, it's so inauthentic. Most of the stuff we as lawyers look at and say, oh, my gosh, that's not how it works in court. That's not how lawyers think. That's not how it works. And I wanted to write something that was not only fun, but actually would give people a, a window into the life of a, a civil trial lawyer and what what kind of things make them tick, uh, what makes what motivates them, uh, what kind of uh, what, what what sends them on a crusade like this, and why, and what they have to go through and the choices they have to make, which can be very difficult. So that's that's what. I found exciting trying to trying to lay that out for folks in a, in a fun way. Absolutely. And one of the things that really surprised me, and I, I want to get more about the book itself too, but I mean, just the the hero, I will call him Matt, the lawyer, he, he was having money problems all the time. You think about, you know, lawyers, especially maybe malpractice attorneys or things like that is just being loaded and, you know, highly successful all the time. But no, each trial or each thing you take on has to be a gamble because you're laying out a lot of money to start out with. That was one of the things that really surprised me that's what people don't really understand they, they think of civil trial lawyers really because it's always been the stereotype is quote ambulance chasers are very wealthy and 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 in, in reality there are some that are very wealthy and there are some ambulance chasers out there but most the the great unwashed majority are just hard-working folks that every time they take on a major case like this, have to come up with perhaps hundreds of thousands of dollars out of their own pocket. And it's all, they're entrepreneurs. Uh, They're doing it, they only get paid, they only get that money back if they win. If they don't, they might go into bankruptcy. There probably isn't, there probably isn't any good civil trial lawyer that hasn't at one point or another bet the, the farm on on a case that they probably think they maybe shouldn't have taken, but they just can't let it go. They just they get immersed, and they, you know they're crusaders, and and that's sometimes that's a good thing, but also it's sometimes a bad thing. 
Well, I, I I thought it was a really good thing, especially in this book. I was rooting for Matt for sure because, I mean, it really did. It brought a whole new insight, you know, into the life of a legal or a lawyer. So, But I'm thinking of you being your own, you know, having your own highly active and well-respected uh, profession yourself. How the heck did you have the time to write a book, especially one that's as well-written as this? I mean, what was the creative process for you? Did did you plan a certain day of write daily, or how did you fit all this in? Well, yes. I, the only way it would work for me was I had to make it a habit like working out. You know, I had to have, uh, let's say, three hours a day that I, I had to devote to that. I had to make it. Not at, you know, I couldn't do it during trial, which is a 24-7 process. And I couldn't, you know, once in a while you have to take time off to make the habit work. But it has to be a habit. And I didn't work from an outline. I, I, I let it flow. The outline, of course, was the bones of the case that I had uh, had tried and worked up and, and lived. Um, but I, I got started on the process by uh, my wife uh, signing us up for a class on how to write a novel over the age of 40. And and uh, and and I had we had a a new little baby at home that. I mean, we'd put to bed at you know seven o'clock at night, and I'd go up and write. And wow. I wrote about two thirds of the book that way. And then our second daughter was born, and she wouldn't go to sleep, so I was into the writing <laughs> for years, for years. <laughs> uh, and then, then later, I went back and finished it. And uh, and then, of course, I was at the point where I said, "Uh oh, now what?" And I have no idea what to do with it now. I've got five hundred pages of. Uh, a manuscript, and don't know what to do with it. So, what did you do with it? <laughs> You're leaving me hanging here. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I did with it uh, is that I, uh, I, I had had a client who was a, uh, uh, got very involved in the case. I was representing his child who was brain injured from birth, and he went with me to all the depositions to watch the process. He got very involved with it, enjoyed it, and. Uh, and it, it, we became friends, and he heard I wrote the book, and he happened to be a movie producer. He was uh, in oh Hollywood, and, and yeah, so he said he wanted to read it. So I gave it to him. <laughs> Four years later, I hadn't heard back from him, and I thought, oh my God, he hated it. And uh, you know, he must get hundreds of things to read. And then he called me one day, and he said, "I finally read the damn book. I love it." <laughs> He said it. My favorite book and movie of all time was The Verdict with Paul Newman, and he said this wow. is this is that this is this is better. I think we can make this better, but we got to get you oh. published. So he helped he helped me get an agent, and and off it went. First, we got rejected by the first ten publishers. So then I had to do the most difficult thing which was to edit it down from about 550 pages to about 450 pages, which they call killing your baby. Because you think everything's perfect, of course, and it's not. And so you have to cut the fat out. You have to look at things that don't go anywhere. You have to make it tighter. You have to, And that, I think, is what really made it uh, into something that the next publisher that saw it uh, took it and published it. So that was good. 
That is really good, <laughs> No, I because and, and before we went on air, I mentioned. I mean, just the way that you write itself. Each sentence was so well crafted, and your descriptions are really beautiful. Uh, we're both from the San Francisco Bay Area, and the way you describe the fog and the weather and the scenery, I mean, it it, it it's quite remarkable. So when you killed those babies, it must have hurt a little bit. But boy, did you it come did. out with a great it improduct. Did. Well, that that was I was lucky because it happened in San Francisco. It's about San Francisco. I've lived here for so many decades. It's it is you know it's my home, and so I was writing about something that's iconic to start with, and and that that actually might, makes it easier because if you have to describe something, why not pick a, a gorgeous place like our San Francisco Bay Area? You know, and it and that was fun, and it was fun trying to craft descriptions that would resonate with people. It was also fun, the writing process is fascinating because when you're writing, it starts, what's fascinating, it takes a life of its own. It really starts to develop, these characters start doing things you never thought they would do. And they, <laughs> and you, well, where did that come from? They start to have a life and you start thinking of them like they're real and they say, no, no, wait a minute, they're in your head. They're not you know, you can tell them what to do next. No, you can't. They are going to do what they want to do, and off they go. And that's when that happens, I think that's when a book comes to live, alive for the writer. But also I think that eventually that makes the it's, – it's the same with the reader. I think the reader feels that. I have that feeling. Well, as a reader, I have to agree with you, and I have to say I hope – we get to find out more about what's going on with Matt and Adrian and all the rest of the people. So do you have anything down the line that that might uh, keep these read or these uh, wonderful characters alive for both you and for us? Well, that's, that's the plan. I mean, that, that the, uh, the plan is, and it's, it's uh, in process, um, you know, and, and, and it's doing happily really really well. I mean, we've sold out the first edition of the hardbound. Uh, This next week, it's coming out with the the paperback version, which is a beautiful, beautiful paperback. And it it was uh, just nominated for the Harper Lee Legal Fiction Award um, 2020. So it's really starting to happen. And with the movie contract uh, that we're working on, it's just, you know, that's exciting. So kind of have to concentrate on some of that right now. Um, but I have, the next one is in process, and uh, and it's it it will be interesting what happens to some of these characters and some of the some of the characters that that people really like uh, will probably have a greater role uh, in other books as well. Uh, and I, I'll bet you know who I mean. Uh, people that were. Characters that are pretty interesting uh, that will will develop. I think it will be fun well. I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they were all pretty doggone interesting. But that is so exciting. And the news about the movie. Oh my gosh! Whether you know it all works out or not, being it must be hard for you to fall asleep at night. There's so many good things coming your way, James. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. At 77, I didn't think uh, it would be like this. I thought I would still be doing what I what I also am doing, which is trying cases. And, and although in the middle of a pandemic, that's very difficult to do because we can't get a jury. Uh, yeah. But, but to, ha- to have this also, 
it makes you realize that uh, you never know what life is going to hold, and uh, just 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 keep having fun and doing what you enjoy, and uh, and good things will happen. Well, that sounds great, and I, they're certainly happening for you, James. So where can our listeners go to find out more about you? Because I know you also have a very active profession once the pandemic is over and you can get back to trial. But also, where can they get a copy of this amazing book, Acts of a Mission? Well, right now, unfortunately, the the bookstores are mostly closed, though some of them are opening. I know that, you know, uh, certainly in Book Passage, Book Inc. has them, uh, Barnes & Noble, whenever it opens, has them. Uh, certainly Sausalito Books by the Bay has them, uh, and they're just all getting in the new paperbacks, the hardbounds. Are, there are a few still around in some of the bookstores if, if, they're, uh, if they've been closed and now opening. Amazon, of course, has it, and it's on Audible. Uh, Amazon, Audible has about almost 400 reviews, mostly five-star and four-star, and, uh, and so does uh, an Amazon does as well, and you can and uh, see so you can order it, of course, that way as well. Although I I prefer people to go to their local bookstores because the bookstores are, after all, one of the most wonderful places to go and shop. And uh, and I like to have the actual thing in my hands, you know. Uh, and I'm one of those kind of people. But I. You know, well, I've so like I, and I think a lot of us out there are because it's great to just hold a wonderful book in your hand and then I like to, you know, turn down pages and underline and all these things. So I agree with you, James. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange well, time I, we're in right now. That's for sure, but uh, this is one of the ways really getting a great book in your in your hands physically, or if you do go the other way, it doesn't matter. This is a great story, Acts of a Mission. I know you're going to bring a lot of joy to a lot of people and help us get through this difficult time by kind of escaping into a fabulous story. So any final thoughts you have, what would you like your readers to take away from the book? From the book? Well, I hope that they would just learn uh, more about what lawyers really do and what makes them tick. That that's uh, it's a fun story, uh, but also it's uh, it tells a, a story about the people out there working to help other people. That's that's what we do. That's what motivates us. Uh, and in this time, particularly, you know, we're we're in the middle of something that is extraordinary. We haven't ever had a thing like this. The courts are shut down. We can't have juries. Our, our lives are upended. Uh, but it's a time to to think uh, about what we can accomplish because uh, now is the time to look at what we can change. And I think our protests show us that uh, this is a time where we can all pull together and we can make real change. Uh, this, if anything, this is a, a, a even more perhaps telling because of everything that's going on, maybe even more telling than it was back in the 60s when I remember we all had great hopes for for real change. Uh, I think we pull together. We can do it. This country is capable of that. Uh, that's what I'd like to leave people thinking about. 
Well, I agree with you, and we'll, we will end on those very high notes that you've just left us with. But I want to thank you, James, uh, not only for your time and sharing your amazingly creative mind and story with us. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Marilyn. And for all you listeners out there, please check out Acts of Omission. Uh, again, you may not be able to find it in your local bookstore now because they might not have their doors open. So turn to Amazon. If you can, get yourself a real book, but the Audible would be great too, uh, as well as other ways to read this story. Uh, it really is uh, an eye-opener as far as not only the legal profession, but just all the wonderful Interesting twists and turns are going to keep you turning the page. Pages, as I mentioned earlier, well into the night. So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio. Then I'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.